Hallelujah. Let us worship him. thanksgiving in our hearts, Lord God, that you've bestowed upon us the mercy and grace that you did in your love and your kindness, Lord God. And we just thank you for this opportunity to gather together to lift your name up on high, Lord God, that you may draw all men unto yourself, Lord God, and have your way in this place, Lord God, on us individually and collectively, Lord God, and all those that is connected unto us, Lord God. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord God, we bow down before you, Lord God, in humble submission, Lord God, 
for you to do with us what you will, Lord God. We submit unto your way today, Lord God. Have your way in this place, Lord God, like never before, Lord God. Every crack, crevice, and corner that this place is made up on, Lord God. Move like never before, Lord God. And we give you praise, glory, and honor in advance, Lord God. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord God. You know what we stand in the need of, Lord God. And we thank you in advance for it, Lord God. Father, we ask that you would lift our shepherd up of this house, Lord God. Those things that he stands in the need of that he talks to you about in private, Lord God. You said in your word that you would reward him openly, Lord God. And we thank you for it, Lord God, in advance, Lord God. For the manifestation, Lord God, of your presence in his life and all those that is connected today, Lord God. We bless your name and thanksgiving in our hearts, Lord God, as we bow down unto you, Lord God. Father, those that is listening, Lord God, via internet, Lord God, and those that had the mind and the heart to be here, Lord God. Touch, heal, and deliver, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God. And we thank you in advance for that, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. We're grateful this day. In Jesus' name, as we continue to bow down unto you, amen and amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah.
today as we bow down unto him in this place. Hallelujah. Can you hear him speak? Can you hear the spirit of the Lord speaking to your heart right now? Hallelujah. Because he's definitely speaking in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, glory, glory, glory. I hear you, Holy Spirit. And we bow down unto you, Lord God. We lift you up and magnify your name in this place, O God. With every fiber of our being, we give it unto you to use for your glory. In this place, hallelujah. Oh, glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. If you haven't had a chance to give, which is a form of worship, we ask that you come forth wherever you are. To give unto the Lord in your tithe and your offering. Yes, God. Hallelujah. But right now, he is wanting us to go from praise and continue into worship in that secret place with him. Hallelujah. We bow down unto you, O oh God. Hallelujah. 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 Glory, glory, glory. Yes, Have your way in this place. 
Hallelujah. 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 I can hear the Spirit of the Lord saying that heart that needs to be mended is done. That need that needs to be met, it is done. Hallelujah. In all aspects of life. We shall praise you, hallelujah, not just for what you've done and what you're doing, but for who you are, the Savior of our souls, hallelujah, <laughs> hallelujah, hey, glory. that had to give and those that didn't have to give. Hallelujah. We thank you for them both, Lord God, that the ones that didn't have to give, that they may be able to give upon the next appointed time. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord God, and we thank you and we praise you in advance, Lord God, as you continue to have your way in this place today, Lord God. And not only in this place, Lord God, but forevermore in our hearts as we receive that what you have prepared for us individually and collectively today. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As we continue in the praise and worship.
Sing a little louder. 
the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you gotta hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, the king is alive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hey, hallelujah.
We yes. thank the Lord. Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Raise up. Hallelujah. This next selection I'm going to do for you. It was recorded by Leon T. Tempo. Yes, God. Now, I can't do it like he do it, and he can't do it like I do it, because I'm going to do it the way the Lord wants me to do it. And I just, it's, the title of the song is Abba. Abba is another form of saying Father, Daddy. And we want to give him the glory and the honor that is due. Now, we don't want to be calling on Daddy every time we down in the valley right. and we need something. Right. Oh, Daddy, help me. My bills need to be paid. Oh, Daddy, help me. Help me, Daddy. Sometimes we need to call on Daddy when we're on the mountaintop. He wants to hear us call on him all the time. Not when we're in the valley, though, but when we're in the mountaintop right. also. Yeah. So we need to give Daddy his honor, his glory, and his praise. The, the, the word says make a joyful noise unto the Lord so we're going to ask you to pray for me as I make this joyful noise unto the Lord hallelujah Hallelujah. Abba Abba you belong to me hallelujah Thank you. 
belong to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I can call you, call you, call you, Abba. sacrifice to be with us this morning. Those that have tuned in, we salute you. We thank God for you. Hallelujah. I don't plan to hold you long. Hallelujah. Somebody turn me down just a little bit. Number seven. Hallelujah. We're just excited about what God is doing. Yes. How many of you know we serve a mighty God? 
Hallelujah. Do me a favor, mute all the mics. Just mute every single mic except for number seven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then turn me down just a little bit. All right. Praise the Lord. That's better. Again, we're just glad to be here in the house of God. Um, I know that people have really gotten comfortable staying at home. And while I'm thankful to the Lord that, uh, you know, we have homes to stay in, this is also our house. And it is a place that we should not stay away from, but one that we should come to gather together in. Amen? Amen. For those that uh, only have the means of technology, we thank the Lord for you and uh, we do salute you for all those across the United States and across the globe that uh, watch us and fellowship with us and worship God with us. We're just thankful uh, to the Lord for you. Amen. Last week, we were talking about, we had begun to talk about the Midianite story and Gideon. And it's connected to the name of God that we had introduced last week, and that name was, you said it, Adonai. And you'll see that when God is your Adonai, he will overcome the Midianites in your life. How many of you understand that there are some Midianites in your life trying to oppress you? It's important that we understand who God is because in understanding who God is, it puts into perspective, true perspective, who your enemies are and the power that your enemies truly have over you. For most of us, the things that we fight, the things that we war against, we've given them the authority necessary to hold us down simply because we don't know who we are. We don't know truly in the God that we serve and the authority that he gives us over our enemy. So reading the word of God, we find that every one of our enemies is where? Under our feet. However, most of us have that one or maybe two enemies that though your mind says they're under your feet, They act like, and you act like, they're above your head. And they're keeping you in check rather than you keeping them in check. In the story of the Midianites and and Gideon, you'll find that the Midianites represent various strongholds that keep people oppressed, addicted, and defeated. And a lot of these things that they were dealing with against the Midianite nation, we're dealing with in a different form, but still the same addiction, the same negative influence, the same poor self-esteem, and the same people trying to prevent us from living out our destiny. If you haven't realized yet, live a little longer, and you will find that there are people that do not want you to reach your potential. 
But God makes it clear that when he is your Adonai, you will see him work things out as your Yehovah. He will be the one that reveals his surprising paths and plans and strategies that you would never have on your own thought. I want you to look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, throw away plan B. Most of us have been taught in society that you have to or you should have a fallback plan or that plan B or that one that maybe wasn't the first choice, but it's your settled choice. Amen. Well, God doesn't think the way we think. He doesn't see the end like we see the end. You see, God sees the end from the beginning. Because he's in both the beginning and the end and the journey all at the same time. And I want to talk just a little bit deeper about the seventh chapter of the book of Judges dealing with Gideon because you'll find that with God there is no plan B. You see, in Judges 7, we find Gideon and more than 30,000 Israelite soldiers about to face the Midianites. And God knew that Gideon saw him as Lord and ruler, as Adonai, the one who owns uh, all things. And he knew that Gideon would obey and surrender to his will. So God reveals to Gideon a plan that would reduce the army of 30,000 down to just 300 men. 300 men plus Adonai is worth more than an army of thousands. That's the first thing I think God wants you to begin to realize is that even when your numbers look diminished, if God is with you, it is greater than thousands that may stand against you. We understand that Gideon and his 300 men defeated the Midianites because they recognized God as ruler and master of their lives. They didn't argue. It was not a debating stage when they engaged God and God revealed to them his plan. When God begins to speak to Gideon and he's whittling down the army from the 30,000 to the 300, there's no debate. There's no Um, strategical meeting between the leaders of men and God about this idea that 30,000 may not have been enough, but now we're at 300. See, they didn't argue. And you also find that in Scripture, they did not come up with a plan B. You know, if God's way didn't work, we can fall back to this. They didn't try to rationalize. They didn't try to keep some men hiding in the wings. Gideon knew that to win the battle against the Midianites and what we should understand to win any battle that we face, to defeat any enemy we face, we would have to do it God's way. There's a powerful text in the Word of God in the book of Judges that says, and every man did what was right 
in their own eyes. And that's no more truer today than it was when it was penned in pages. You look at society today and you'll find that the push is for everyone to just simply do what is right for them. Gideon recognized that if anything was going to work and work right, it had to be done according to the way and will of God, his Adonai. He would have to recognize and surrender to God as Adonai. And what did I tell you last week that Adonai is? Adonai is the owner of us all, which connects us to his responsibility to take care of us. Sometimes it's hard to do. It's difficult to see God as ruler and master when so many others are competing for that very position in our hearts and in our minds, including ourselves, our own thoughts, and uh, the people that influence our lives and things that influence our lives and other voices uh, that influence us try to dictate each and every one of our decisions. But we cannot allow them to persuade us to do anything outside the will of God. We can see this illustrated in Isaiah's life as well. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord, that's written as Adonai, sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple, Isaiah 6 and 1. Now, when Isaiah sees God as Adonai, the year that his human king, Uzziah, dies. Why do you think this is important? It's important because human kings often appear to be the king or the key to your success or victory. When we look to others for advice or to make decisions for us or to help guide us in the things that we are to do, they hold a lot of influence over us. Yet when Isaiah's human king dies... He was enabled to see who really owned and ruled over everything. You see, King Uzziah couldn't make any more decisions for the nation that Isaiah cared so deeply about. But Adonai was still seated on the throne and still running the show. You see, sometimes we can't see Adonai until he allows something to die in our circumstances. Let me say that again for you. Sometimes we cannot see Adonai until he allows something to die in our circumstances. There are things that you're clinging to. There are things that you're holding on to that you're allowing to guide you in the decisions that you make. And you cannot fully see or hear God because these things are alive. And God will allow them to die so that you might find life. He allows this thing, this person or the idea that we depend on to lose its influence on us. And this may not include a physical death, but sometimes happens wherein we can no longer depend on that which we once did. He might let a job go away. He might let our finances suffer. 
He may remove somebody from your life with whom you thought you could not live without. Whatever it is, God often allows this so that we can truly discover that he is the one that is in charge and it is he and only he that is ultimately dependable. He is the owner of all. Now, Scripture tells us that each of us came into this world with nothing and that we're going to leave this world with, guess what? Nothing. nothing. Everything we have here on the earth is on loan. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, yep, you borrowed that too. We're merely borrowers of God's resources. That being so, God expects us to recognize him as Adonai or the one who actually owns everything we have, which includes your gift and your anointing. Too many people want to use God's name and what he has made without acknowledging God as ownership over the very thing that he has made, including them. In fact, the Bible tells us that if you're a believer or follower of Jesus Christ, even your body belongs to him. If you don't believe me, turn in the Bible to the book of 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, the 19th and the 20th verse, and you'll find that it says, you are not your own. You have been bought with a price. You see, God has a right to all of you, your spirit, your soul, and your body. They all belong to him. Then in deciding the things that you would do in the person you would become, it should be something that is more God-satisfying than self-satisfying. We live in a society where the push and the urge is as long as you're satisfying self, you should be a-okay. Okay. But that should not be the life of a believer. Unless God truly owns all of you, you won't be able to experience all of him. You may hear a lot about him. You may read a lot about him. But your experience of him is tied to your recognition that God is Adonai. Now, as many of you know, I'm a huge fan of computers. I'm, I'm, I'm a techie. I'm a nerd. In fact, I love computers and, and use them daily. My wife would uh, testify that she wishes computers didn't exist, at least for me, because they always seem to be in my hands. As part of my secular job, I've been involved in the programming and the implementation of computers throughout the division uh, that I work, and I, I manage their use and their upgrades and uh, the latest and greatest technologies that are out there. And, and in this, and because of uh, the information that this network of computers contain, we have things that are called usernames that are connected to passwords, which we use to access this network of computers. Now, spiritually speaking, surrendering to God as Adonai is the password for the unveiling of Jehovah in your life. Now, I want you to understand this because I'm going to give you a key to the kingdom of God that will open the door to tremendous success in your life. Are you ready? 
This is the key. This is the password. This is the passcode that you need when you access God's heavenly network. Are you ready? You got your pens and papers ready? Every, sitting on the edge of your seat? All right, now I'm only going to say this once, okay? Just one time. The passcode to access your success as a user of the network of God is surrender. Surrender is the password that allows God to express, reveal, and manifest all of himself in your life. And I'm going to tell you where the Bible tells you this. As a matter of fact, Jesus says it. He frames it like this in Luke 6 and 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? When you do not do what your owner tells you, are you a person of surrender or a person of rebellion? Rebellion. You're a person of rebellion when you do not do what you are told. Think about when you're a little child growing up and you didn't do what your parents told you. They told you you were being rebellious against the things that they were instructing you to do. And they had the authority to tell you what to do. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? In other words, why do you greet me with fanciful words that indicate one thing, but you do something else? Why call your husband, husband, if you don't treat him like a husband? Why call your wife, wife, if you're not going to treat her like a wife? Is what, is what Jesus is saying. Acknowledging God and surrendering to him as Adonai are two totally different things. You can acknowledge something but not surrender to the very thing you've acknowledged. You see, Adonai comes with obedience. Adonai comes with sacrifice. Adonai comes with a heart that follows what God says and recognizes him as the owner who calls the shots. Running your life independently of God is like calling him Lord, Lord, but not doing what he tells you. The problem is, is that when you run your life, when you run your finances, when you make decisions independently of God, God can't fulfill his responsibility over you. Remember, Adonai is not so much about ownership as much as it is about putting God in the position to do or to become responsible for you. We want to ask God for help. In other words, we want to tap into God being responsible for us, but we do not want to act like God is responsible for us. You see, he can't fulfill his full responsibility over us if we act independently 
of him. He will not force himself on you. He will let you call the shots. The problem is, is that when you call the shots, you have to live with the consequences. You know, the old saying, if you make your bed hard, you got to sleep in it. And until we address the lordship or the Adonai issue in our lives, God's revelation to us and his use of us is limited. You won't see him take you to a deeper level because the only people he takes to deeper levels are those who yield to him as master. You see, God can do more with fewer people whom he owns than with many who merely recognize him as creator. Gideon discovered this, 300 plus Adonai is worth far more than 30,000 without him. You plus Adonai is far greater than 100 of you without his ownership. You see, surrendering to God as Adonai means submitting your will to his will. Your will should become his will. Your way, his way. Yourself to his self. Compare this to a cowboy breaking a wild stallion. When the cowboy first tries to ride the stallion, the stallion makes it clear he doesn't want anyone on his back. So the cowboy sets out to break the horse, to bring the horse underneath his or her submission. Time and time again, the stallion will buck the cowboy off and let him know that it doesn't want anyone on his back. Yet the cowboy keeps climbing back on until finally the horse discovers who it is that's in charge. Eventually, a wild stallion can become tame and when it's tame, it is useful. It can do the things necessary for the cowboy's success. Now, many of us don't experience the destiny that God has for us because every time God tries to direct and guide us, we buck him off. So get your neighbor and tell your neighbor, stop bucking him off. See, too often we're kicking our legs and telling him, I own my life. I determine my destiny. I want to do my own thing. We may not use those specific words, but that's our unspoken attitude. Yet God isn't confused about who owns us. He keeps riding and riding until eventually we get broken, at least broken enough to look at him and cry, Adonai, Adonai. My Savior, my Redeemer, my Master, and my friend. What's more is that when we do this, we get to experience a deeper intimacy with our Savior than we've ever experienced before. We get to discover His plan and His purpose for our lives. His plan and His purpose for our lives. I want you to understand something. God has appointed a regent over you. Look at your neighbor and say, what you say? 
there is a regent over your life, Jesus Christ, who's been elevated above all to rule over history as Lord and Savior. You read about this in Acts 2 and 36. As Adonai, which is the Hebrew, and Kairos, which is the Greek, he is the owner of you. Now, believing in God isn't enough to access the authority that comes through the lordship of Jesus Christ. Let me say that again for you. Just believing in God is not enough to access what God has for you. Calling on God's name isn't enough either. Rather, your relationship with Jesus determines what happens in history because he's been placed above all rule and authority. And by virtue of who he is, he demands the ownership of your life. Jesus is seated where? At the right hand of God, Colossians 3 and 1. And you, being in Christ as his follower, are seated with him, Ephesians 2 and 6. So in the book of Romans, Paul writes about proclaiming Christ as Lord. These two verses have confused a lot of people over the years, and I want to try to unconfuse you. This is what it says. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. So Paul seems to give two prerequisites for salvation. Confessing with your mouth and believing with your heart. Now, in truth, this creates a theological issue. You see, in every other New Testament passage that speaks of salvation, the only prerequisite is faith. John 3.16, John 5 and 24, Acts 16 and 31, Romans 4, 4 through 5, are just some scriptures that might on their face look contradictory or Is Romans 10, 9 through 10 referring to something else? Well, the answer is found in the context of Romans 10. See, by looking at Paul's audience and the setting in which he made this statement, we clearly see that he's not instructing sinners on how to become saints. You see, who is he talking to in this text? He's talking... To believers. He's talking to those who already have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So what he's doing is he's instructing saints on how to be delivered or saved. You must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to go to heaven, but you must confess the Lord Jesus Christ to get heaven to come down to you while you're here on the earth. 
You see, when you accept Jesus as your personal Savior, that's when you believe. His righteousness his, uh, you know, is immediately uh, imputed upon you, and you, you become righteous because of him. You're uh, saved for eternity. Yet, when you make a public confession of Jesus Christ as your Lord, you receive his deliverance in the here and now, in history. So the word saved in this context means to be rescued or delivered. We have a lot of people in the body of Christ who have confessed or believed, rather, God and are saved and their eternity is secure, but they need deliverance in the here and now. A lot of people who are going to heaven aren't seeing heaven join them in history because they have believed but have not confessed. They have declared in their own heart whom they are trusting for their salvation. They've placed their faith in Jesus for forgiveness of their sins, but they haven't made an ongoing public confession or declaration through word or deed of him as their Adonai. You see, throughout the New Testament, the disciples and the apostles regularly referred to themselves as slaves. The book of Romans opens with these words, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Now, bondservant of Jesus Christ uh, means that he is the one who's looking at somebody else who has complete control over his life. Bondservant is a translation of the Greek word doulios, which literally means slave. A slave is someone who has a master or a lord. If I was to ask before talking to you today, are you a slave? Some of you would be thinking I was disrespecting you, especially in our culture. I'm not going to tell you I'm a slave to anything. When most of us are slaves to our issues. You see, a slave is someone who has a master or a lord, something that governs them. Believing in Jesus as your savior takes you to heaven, but declaring and living for him as your master and your lord brings heaven to you. I'm happy my end the end of this journey is going to be in heaven. I'm excited about that. But how many of you are tired of waiting to get to heaven and would like heaven to come to you? I, I want heaven to come to me. I don't want it off in the distance waiting for me to die or waiting for that unknown day when Jesus cracks the sky, no matter how close that day may be. I would like to enjoy heaven in the here and now. Yes, sir. And when you acknowledge your rightful place underneath Jesus as his doulos or his slave, you get his delivering power while you're here on the earth. If you need to see more of God's rescue and deliverance in your life, perhaps you have positioned Jesus as your savior but you have not positioned him as your Lord. You're not his slave. You're an associate 
but you're not his slave. Now keep in mind that the job of a slave is to do whatever the master says to do. It's as simple and straightforward as that. When the master speaks, the slave obeys. Unfortunately today, Jesus has to compete with too many other masters in our lives. But Jesus isn't willing to be one among many. He isn't willing to be part of your association or your leadership club. Neither is he willing to be relegated to the level of your personal assistant. Jesus as Lord means he is your supreme ruler and master. He is the one that calls the shots. And you acknowledge him in everything that you do. The problem is is that too many people want a savior, but we do not want a Lord. You see, the word confess means to openly and publicly affirm and declare where you stand on any given issue. Aligning yourself under Jesus Christ, the Adonai and the Kyrios uh, includes publicly declaring and demonstrating your commitment to him. Just because the world says this is okay, does my master say this is okay. Is what I'm doing, thinking, feeling, behaving, dreaming, theorizing in alignment with what the Word of God declares over my life? If it is not, and I continue in that mode, I have declared Him as my Savior but I've rejected him as my master. You see, Jesus declares that your willingness to confess him becomes the marker of your seriousness about him. You see, some of us just aren't serious enough. You see, it's much more than simply believing in God. In fact, Satan believes in God. Aligning yourself underneath the lordship of Christ, putting him in the first place in your life, involves displaying that very association with him in your words, in your deeds, in your thoughts, and in your actions. The less you are a slave to Jesus, the more bound you become to illegitimate strongholds that are affecting your ability to be productive and successful in the here and now. You see, it's actually through your surrender to Christ that he gives you lasting freedom. We're looking for this uh, equation that will break every addiction in our life, and it's found in one simple password to success, and that is surrender. Amen. I told you I'd only tell you once, but I got, gave it to you a second time. Surrender. There's nothing to fear in surrendering to God as your owner. I want you to imagine for a moment Bill Gates saying to you, if you let me own your finances, I'll take care of you financially. Would you feel afraid? It's doubtful that anyone would argue with this proposition. After all, Bill Gates is a master at financial stewardship and prosperity. He is one of the wealthiest men on the earth. Forbes has him in the $75 billion 
range. He can afford anything you want. Your knowledge of him would lead you to trust him to own that area of your life, your finances. You would expect that if you invested in him, if you invested in him, he would turn your investment into a benefit. You see, knowledge of God through his name and his character gives you the freedom to fully surrender to his care and ownership. It's God covering you. He possesses everything that you need. He has your best interest at heart. He just wants you to confess him as Adonai, as master and Lord. Now keep in mind, you can't just say Lord, 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 Lord as if it were the magic word. Confessing Adonai in your life requires actions that verify his ownership everywhere that he leads and directs you. You see, God gave an instruction to each person that we've talked about so far as we've been working through this series of understanding uh, the great I am. We've talked about Abraham, we've talked about Moses, and we, we've talked about Gideon. And each one of these uh, men had to do something to demonstrate their trust in God and his surrender to him as Adonai. And none of those things were all that comfortable to do either. You see, Abraham, uh, or Abraham wasn't comfortable trusting God for a son at age 100. Moses wasn't comfortable confronting Pharaoh after being uh, on the run for a murder charge. Gideon certainly wasn't comfortable sending nearly all of his soldiers away as he marches into a battle of their very oppressor. Yet despite their discomfort, they did what God said because they not only called him Adonai, but also surrendered to him and to his will. Sometimes the things that God asks you to do may not be comfortable. As a matter of fact, when you're doing something that God calls you to do and you start feeling uncomfortable, you better hold on because your blessing is around the corner if you would simply surrender to his will. When you surrender, blessings come. When you don't surrender, you in fact are surrendering to chaos. See, that's why so many problems appear in your life. We seek our own way and our own will. Yet when we surrender to Adonai, we surrender to the fulfillment of our destiny. Many of us need to throw the white flag of surrender into the lordship of Jesus Christ so that we can begin to enjoy so that we can begin to enjoy heaven here. We talk about being who we're supposed to be. And you've heard me say, we spend a lot of times chasing after stuff that was designed to chase after us. Healing finances, prosperity, peace. These things are designed to flow to you. 
yet we run after them simply because we refuse to stand still and see the glory of the Lord. We have to do it our way. We have to strategize it, determine what is right for us, make our own decisions regardless of what God has to say. We live outside of the framework of God's plan of success for our life. Then we're frustrated because we're struggling greatly against the very chaos that we have surrendered to in our life simply because we refuse to surrender to his will. Because, to be quite frank, the way that God does stuff sometimes just doesn't make sense to us. It just doesn't make sense. It just does not make sense. It goes against everything that we've been raised to think or to believe it just sounds crazy. I mean, think about this. There's a warrant out for your arrest. There's a warrant out for your arrest. What do you do when you see the police? When there's a warrant out for your arrest? If the police are here, you are where? Everywhere they're not. <laughs> or you could turn yourself in, which would be what God would tell you to do. God would say, turn yourself in. You would say, um, but I'm not even rightfully charged. Well, why should I turn myself in? And I don't even believe I violated the law for which I have been accused. Now understand, Moses didn't have that argument. But many of us do. And we fight against the very direction that God gives us because it doesn't make sense. And then we find out later that had we just done what God had told us to do, things would have been so much better for us. I want you to think about Abraham. Abraham is sitting there with the promised seed. He, fight, he, he does it his own way. And we're still dealing with the fallout from doing it his own way. But God was merciful. And he still gave him the promise. And then God says to him, sacrifice that very promise. So here, Abraham is taking the promise up to a place to sacrifice to God. Now, most of us are like, oh, wait, wait. In truth, most of us would say, well, that's got to be the devil. 
because the devil's always trying to take something that God gave me. You know, the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, and, and he must be taking because God's not going to tell me to sacrifice the very thing that he gave me. Or maybe God is asking you, is what I've given you more important than me? And we know what happened. Abraham responded in the will of God. And not only did God spare Isaac, not only did God provide a ram in the bush, but God showed us in that moment that when we surrender to his will and his way, you won't be able to help but to be successful. You won't be able to help but to be successful. We're running around trying to do everything our way. And in most cases, it's to satisfy our own uh, varying degrees of greed. And greed is not just a financial thing. Greed is not just a financial thing. Greed actually touches various areas of our life. And oftentimes we are doing things to satisfy our greed rather than to satisfy our Lord. So God will attack the very thing that you're being greedy about to find out if you're willing to let it go and just trust him. We almost kill ourselves to satisfy something within ourselves because we think it makes sense to do it that way. But in often, oftentimes, we never really listened to God's will in the very thing we were to do next. And that started that domino effect that we're still dealing with each and every day because we just simply didn't trust God as Adonai. We did not surrender to God as Adonai and trust him for the things that we are to do. We were so forward-thinking that we could not be patient for the promise. Many of you know that my son's on the road to recovery, and one of his greatest struggles right now is his, is his impatience with getting to the end. His impatience with his condition, which is preventing him from doing the things that he wants to do, thinking that he is better than he is, not understanding that there are still things that need to heal, but fighting against it because he wants to be healed so bad. And he wants to be healed just so he can go back to doing what he wants to do. And it was doing what he wants to do the way he wanted to do it 
that opened the door to this calamity in his life. When you do it God's way, let me say it like this. The blessings of God bring no hardship with them. When we bless ourselves, sometimes hardship comes. Because we are blessing ourselves outside of God's will in our life. You see, God knows what tomorrow holds. We hope. You go to the bank and you take a loan out. You're taking a loan out in hopes that tomorrow you don't get laid off. So that you could be able to continue to work and make that payment. But tomorrow you could be laid off. Who's in charge of you keeping your job? Is it you? No. It's your employer. You're dependent upon your employer still having a need to employ you so that you can take your wage to satisfy your responsibility. God is saying, depend on me. And I'll never lay you off. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor their seed begging bread. God says, depend on me. I've got you. I'm right here with you. I'm in the thick of it with you. Depend on me. And you'll find out that as thick as things look, they're really not as bad as they seem. Because all of this is in my control. And it's my responsibility to see you through so that you're not just better because of it, but you're blessed because of it. Everything that God does is to bless you, to enhance you, to increase you, to grow you. Everything that God does is to make you better. Surrender to him and live the better that he has in store for you. Next week, we'll try to conclude this series, but I want to touch upon some of the compound names of God because they give us a little bit more strategic surgical direction into some things that God wants to reveal to us about who he is so that we can understand his responsibility. You see, when you recognize him as Adonai, you have access to the compound names of God. And the compound names of God are the surgically targeted things that God wants you to know that deal with areas of your life. And it's important that we understand them so that we can live now in the blessings and the promise of God and not just wait until we see God in the air. Hallelujah. Let's rest to our feet. Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. And while some of us before today may not have 
really taken our walk with you serious or we may have been argumentative. Some of us may be stubborn. Some of us may be struggling without knowledge of how to get free. Today, Father, because of your revelation, we ask that you would bring clarity and peace to our heart and mind that we would surrender to your will. That we would live out in this life who you are in us. That your way would be our way. That your thoughts would be our thoughts. That your desires for us would be our desires. That when we open our mouth, it would be to release the oracles of God, not the oracles of men. That when we pray, it would not be self-centered or self-serving, but it would be to bring you glory. The heart of man is wicked. Who can know it? Your word declares, Father, you know every morsel of our being. Heal us, deliver us as only you can. We give you this authority over our life because we recognize you as our master. You're not just our savior, you're our master. We do not own ourselves. For you sent your son to die for us, not to just redeem us, but to deliver us, to heal us, and to set us free. So we say to you today, Father, Abba, you are our master. We make this open declaration, not just with words, but as the next days come, may these words become action in our life. May they proclaim what we truly believe in our heart. Let us glorify you in all the things that we do. And in so doing, Father, I know that you will meet us at the point of our need. You will bring the victory that has been stalled for so long. You will release the healing that we've been waiting and praying for. You will open the door of opportunity. You will even cause our enemies to bring stuff to us. And Father, by faith now, we say thank you. As we move into this week, we say thank you. Thank you for not killing us when we were living in rebellion. Thank you for staying in there with us when we didn't really understand what we were doing. Thank you for not giving up on us as so many people have. Thank you for loving us when we were almost loveless. Thank you for giving us hope. We have professed you as Lord of our life. We have believed in your Son, knowing that we are redeemed and shall spend eternity with you 
But Father, between the here and then, we ask for your presence. And we receive it by faith because you are our Lord Adonai, our Master, our Savior, our Deliverer, and our Friend. Bless each person under the sound of my voice. Let them come to know you in a more precious and intimate way. Grant to them great peace. Fill them with your joy. From everlasting to everlasting shall be thy presence. For you have declared you would never leave us nor forsake us. So, Father, we say to you, here we are. Have your way in the name of Jesus. And the people of God said, amen. Consider yourself dismissed. Amy and LaRonda, before you leave, I want to get with you about the uh, hookup.